48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Pierre Tremblay. The headlines. The Liberal Party wants its chairman, Tommy Jung, to step down from the Executive Council over his role in the extradition bill crisis. Journalist groups, groups accuse the police of pushing and shoving the media during last night's clearance operation in Mongkok. And a delegate to Beijing's National People's Congress warns that the anti-extradition protests are likely to continue to weigh on the SAR's economy. The Liberal Party will ask its chairman, Tommy Jiang, to resign from the Executive Council later today over his role in the extradition bill crisis. An honorary chairman of the Liberal Party, James Tian, says Mr. Jiang shouldn't just blindly support the government. He says a statement issued by Mr. Jiang in support of the government after the mass anti-extradition protests on the 9th of June was too rushed. Mr. Tian says the statement, which was supported by three out of four of the party's lawmakers, probably encouraged protesters to surround Lechko three days after the mass protest. Mr. Tian says other Lechko members who threw all their weight behind the contentious bill should also step down. I think all those who supported government to charge ahead after June 9th uh, should resign. I don't know who exactly these are, but at least uh, publicly, you could see the Honorable Ronnie Tong and Honorable uh, Regina Yip seems to be uh, very keen to urge government to continue to go ahead. I think the executive councillor's main role is to give government ad- right advice, not bad advice. So if you keep giving government bad advice on in this incident, I think those councillors who gave those bad advice to go ahead should resign. The Journalist Association and the Press Photographers Association have issued a joint statement accusing the police of hampering press freedom during last night's clearance operation in Mongkok. The group say officers repeatedly used their shields to shove reporters and their cameras, scolded and even attacked them, even though the journalists were wearing high-visibility vests and carrying press passes. They urged the police to respect journalists' right to gather news and to safeguard press freedom. Chris Young is the chairman of the Journalist Association. We are afraid that uh, it's not just unfairly, but uh, it, it seems that there's a, there's a feeling of uh, hostilities or even hatred uh, in some quarters of the police force uh, towards frontline um, front journalists uh, on occasions like protests and, mar- and marches. Uh, we, were, we were seen as troublemakers and, um, and, uh, and police officers apparently knowing that uh, uh, they, were, uh, they, they, they were journalists, uh, uh, did things deliberately, trying to, be, uh, trying to disrupt their, their work. Separately, Democratic Party lawmaker Lam Jokting accused police officers of using unreasonable force against anti-extradition protesters and journalists in Mongkok last night. He says footage taken at the scene showed officers hitting protesters on the head with batons, inciting protesters to fight, and pushing or hitting journalists. Mr. Lam says the officers concerned may have committed a crime and called on police to investigate. Using baton top-down approach is a lethal force that may cause a serious casualty. So if there is no imminent danger to the police force or general public, the police officers have no authority and reason to use existing force to attack the protester. And I also urge the police force carry out a full investigation to all the police officers who may abuse their power to attack the protester and the media. Meanwhile, five activists were arrested during the operation to clear protesters from Nathan Road. 
The standoff began at about 10 o'clock last night as activists who took part in an earlier huge march in Simsate moved to block the busy thoroughfare. About an hour later, the police began to move in, as Jimmy Choi reports. Officers escalated the action minutes before 11 p.m. They hit some protesters with their batons and pinned them to the ground. A lot of protesters ran to nearby Shantung Street, Nelson Street and Saiyan Choi Street to escape from officers. Some of them were injured and their faces were covered in blood. At one point, a woman was surrounded by a group of protesters and manhandled by one of them. They accused her of being an undercover police officer and secretly taking photos of the protesters. The chaos fizzled out after midnight as most protesters decided to leave while the police continued the operation. Meanwhile, five police supporters calling themselves Hong Kong citizens have gathered outside the police headquarters in Wan Chai to show their support for the force. Hong Kong Guangdong Association advisor Zelong said recent violent clashes weren't helping the SAR and hoped for an end to disruption in the wake of peaceful protests. A delegate to Beijing's National People's Congress has warned that the anti-extradition protests will probably continue to act as a break on the SAR's economy. David Wong, who chairs the mandatory Provident Fund Schemes Authority and used to serve as an economist at the Philadelphia Federal Reserve Bank, says he believes the protests will dampen consumer confidence and the retail sector. Mr. Wong also says it'll take time for the government to address the public discontent. I think the protests reflect that there is a broad discontent uh, in society about a broad range of uh, issues. And I think that the one thing that we need to focus on, you know, in the coming months and years is on improving the livelihood, uh, you know, of the people and also in the areas like uh, the economy. And of course, uh, housing is a, a very, very difficult issue. A secondary school teacher who chairs the Liberal Studies Committee under the exams authorities has quit his post amid a row over an anti-police profile picture he uploaded to his Facebook page. Colin Lamb says he decided to resign to avoid questions from the public, even though his political views wouldn't be a factor in his work at the Hong Kong Examinations and Assessment Authority. The Sacred Heart Canossian College teacher also quit his post at the Liberal Studies Teachers Association. Mr. Lam updated his profile picture after the violent clashes on June the 12th and has since apologized. The centre-right New, Demo New Democracy Party in Greece is set to return to government. In a televised address, the party leader, Kyriakos Mitsotakis, who will take office later today, said the election outcome gave him a clear mandate for change, with fewer taxes and more investment and jobs. And of course, our discussions with our European creditors uh, will, uh, will begin immediately, but uh, we've made our plan very, very clear. There are no real surprises here uh, involved. Uh, we want to drive a real reform agenda for the country that is ambitious, uh, very bold and very, very detailed. Uh, and of course, we've made the case that uh, lower primary surpluses will be to the benefit of everyone. Donald Trump has hit out of the British ambassador to Washington following a leak of sensitive diplomatic memos describing his administration as inept. The president said Kim Darrick has not served the UK well and his team were not big fans of the envoy. A formal inquiry has been launched by the Foreign Office in London to determine how the confidential memos were leaked. The BBC's John Sopel looks at the political impact of the leaks. It is exceptional. A slew of diplomatic telegrams which have the most limited circulation list to find their way into the public domain and arguably fundamentally compromising 
our ambassador in Washington, Sir Kim Darroch, from being able to do his job. This is a public servant. And so it's unusual that someone like that is being played in a political way. And so th there is a who done it, but why did they do it? The United States has joined the international condemnation of Iran's announcement that it's raising the level at which it enriches uranium, breaching the nuclear deal it struck with world powers in 2015. The U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said in a tweet that Iran would face further isolation and sanctions. The Venezuelan opposition has agreed to resume talks with President Nicolas Maduro. A meeting between government officials and opposition delegates will be held in Barbados, although a date hasn't yet been announced. The BBC's Leonardo Rocha has more. The talks will be mediated by Norway, which facilitated the last attempt to break the political deadlock in May. A week ago, Mr Guaidó said he had no intention of reopening negotiations with Mr Maduro's government, accusing it of serious human rights violations. He has now issued a statement saying Venezuela's political and economic situation is deteriorating quickly. He says something needs to be done to prevent a greater humanitarian disaster. The charity Save the Children says the number of cholera cases in Yemen has doubled compared to last year. In the last six months, there have been 440,000 cases, nearly half of whom are children. The BBC's Nawal Al-Magafi reports. What is an easily treatable disease has killed more than 190 children so far this year. The conflict in Yemen has disabled much of the infrastructure for clean water and sanitation, leaving some 9.2 million children without proper access to safe water. Fuel availability is fluctuating, limiting the pumping of sewage and rubbish collection. This warning that the battle against the outbreak of cholera is far from over comes at a critical moment. The rainy season is likely to lead to an escalation in the spread of this waterborne disease. The war has meant civilians are not only having to survive the fighting, but also displacement, severe malnutrition and now the spread of cholera. A Saudi Arabian airline has pulled out of a planned multi-billion dollar deal to buy at least 30 Boeing 737 MAX planes. The aircraft remain grounded worldwide after being involved in two fatal crashes in the past year. The BBC's Grant Ferret reports. The Saudi budget airline Flyer deal announced last December that it intended to buy 30 Boeing 737 MAX aircraft with the option of buying a further 20. At full price, the deal would have been worth nearly $6 billion. But with Boeing still trying to implement changes which will satisfy aviation regulators and no clarity about when the 737 MAX will be cleared to fly again, the Saudi firm has changed its mind. It now plans to operate solely with planes made by Boeing's rival, Airbus, and hopes to begin taking delivery of a fleet of new A320s within the next two years. Deutsche Bank has to cut 18,000 jobs over three years as part of a radical reorganization. The German bank will report a second-quarter loss of nearly 3 billion euros, partly to pay for the shake-up. It'll significantly shrink its investment banking business and intends to end activities related to the buying and selling of shares. Currencies, the US dollar is trading at 108.33 yen, the euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 12 cents, the pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 76 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng index was at 280, at 28,297, that's eight, that's 482 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at 43 billion dollars. Sports, here's Adam Jones.
The United States women's soccer team are celebrating their fourth World Cup title after a 2-0 victory over the Netherlands in the final. The BBC's John Murray reports from the Stade de Lyon in France. The USA successfully defended their title as they lifted the Women's World Cup for a record fourth time. But the European champions from the Netherlands made them work for it. Their physical approach, a change of system and a fine goalkeeping display from Sari van Veenendaal posed serious questions of the Americans. It was still nil-nil with an hour played, but then two goals in eight minutes knocked the stuffing out of the Dutch. VAR played a part, correctly awarding a penalty that saw Megan Rapinoe calmly open the scoring from the spot and Rose Lavelle then ran through to score a second goal from which there was no coming back for the Dutch. As you heard, Megan Rapino came up big for the U.S. once again. She's won both the Golden Boot for top scorer and the Golden Ball for tournament's best player. It's unbelievable just to know all of the people uh, in our group that put in so much work. Obviously the players. We have all our friends and family here. It's, it's like it's surreal. I don't know how to feel right now. We're crazy. That's what makes it special. We just have no quit in us. We're so tight and we'll do anything to win. U.S. soccer missed out on a double celebration as their men's team fell short in the CONCACAF Gold Cup final against rivals Mexico. Jonathan Dos Santos scored in the 73rd minute to give the Mexicans a 1-0 win in the championship match played in Chicago. Mexico won the competition for a record-extending eighth time. Brazil have been crowned champions of the Copa America after they defeated Peru 3-1 in the South American final. The BBC's Tim Vickery has more from the Maracanã Stadium in Rio de Janeiro. This game, this final, the results, the outcome was in doubt until right into the closing stages. Brazil 2-1 up, but a man down after Gabriel Jesus of Manchester City had been sent off. And they were hanging on a little bit until uh, just towards stoppage time, they got a penalty and Richarlison of Everton converted uh, to uh, seal the win. 3-1 then to Brazil, their title. Tournament's over. This was a big morale booster. Uh, it, was a, it was a quicksand type of game for Brazil because they were such overwhelming favourites that the local media here, even before the game, were saying, uh, well, if we lose, it, it, it's, it's a historic disgrace. After their shock exit from the Africa Cup of Nations, hosts Egypt have sacked their coach Javier Agueri. Egypt were pre-tournament favourites but lost to a late South Africa goal 1-0 in the last 16. The president of the Egypt Football Association, Hani Aborida, has also resigned from his position. And that's your look at sports. To the news of top stories once again, the Liberal Party plans to ask its chairman, Tommy Jiang, to step down from the Executive Council over his role in the extradition bill crisis. Journalist groups accuse the police of pushing and shoving the media during last night's clearance operation in Mongkok. The news from RTHK.
So dizzy that I can tell if this is heaven or this is hell. Yeah, you ain't. 